Let's all remain standing for the Word of God this Christmas as we go into this Word. I want to thank you all for being here today. If you're a first-time guest, if you're family, welcome to our church. And I think out of all the days today is a day that we need to celebrate Jesus as we get to this Christmas holiday. I know it's cold outside. I know you could have stayed home warm in your bed. You could have been opening presents, doing everything for Christmas. But would you give yourselves a round of applause for being here in church this morning? I want to thank you all for being here. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, as we go into this word. The word of God says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on all the earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem, then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, as we celebrate this Christmas, Father, in the midst of the holidays, the rush, the busyness, the stress, Father, I pray that we would pause, stop, and reflect on you, Lord. Bless this word into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into this word, we start, we close a series of don't stress it. I was reading this passage of scripture. And as I was studying this Bible um, scripture, trying to think about what to preach for Christmas, because it's not easy preaching on a story that everyone is familiar with. But as I was reading and praying for what to preach on Christmas, I came upon this article in the newspaper. And I'm a little old school and I still like to read the newspaper. And I was reading the newspaper, and the newspaper article said something interesting. It said, the title of this article was, Why is Jesus Missing? And the article was talking about how every year in Christmas, there's a mysterious crime that takes place. And the crime in Christmas is not just that people take your packages from your porch during Christmas. The highest theft that Amazon has is during the holidays. But there's another crime that occurs during Christmas that's a mystery, they said. And here's the crime. Around the entire world, even in, mostly in the U.S. as well, baby Jesus goes missing from the nativity. 
In every home and every church, there's a nativity set up outside. And every year, the baby Jesus goes missing. And every year, this problem gets worse. And people just do not understand why Jesus goes missing. Some people think that it goes missing out of protest. People that don't want to be in church, people that are against Jesus Christ and Christianity, they think some people steal Jesus in protest because they're angry with the Lord. Some people think that it's just a prank, that people have nothing better to do with their time and people are bored, so they just go and they actually just look around for where they can find and steal Jesus from a nativity. Even this week, five girls were arrested in Ohio for stealing baby Jesus from a nativity. And when asked why they did it, they said, we had nothing better to do. Every year, Jesus goes missing. And it's a mystery. And some pastors, they actually chained baby Jesus to their nativity. So can you imagine looking at that nativity and Jesus is covered in chains? It doesn't look right. Some pastors even glued Jesus to their nativity. Some people have, some churches have set up cameras, some homes have set up cameras to make sure that this year baby Jesus doesn't go missing. And one pastor went as far as to putting a GPS locator on Jesus to make sure that Jesus does not go missing. Now I know as I read that I laughed. It might make you laugh, it might make you angry, it might weird you out or even sad that every year crime is going up in the theft industry when it comes to stealing baby Jesus. But what really grabbed my attention was not really just the article, but it was the title. The title was, Why is Jesus missing? You see, my point is this, church. Jesus may be missing from the nativities every Christmas. But I believe that Jesus is not only missing in plastic nativities all around the U.S. during Christmas. But I believe that Jesus is missing in so many people's lives. Amen? And I believe that in the midst of Christmas, we miss Christ. And Jesus goes missing. And I believe that Jesus doesn't just go missing during the holidays because we're busy wrapping presents and buying presents and eating and going to parties and spending time with family. And we always seem to realize that we miss the point of Christmas. But what about all year round? Jesus goes missing. And I believe that the devil is trying to steal Christ from your life. One second, please. Banging on the door just to be safe. Okay, we're good. Where was I? Every year, Jesus goes missing. Jesus goes missing in people's homes. Couples don't pray together anymore. Families don't get around together and read the Bible anymore. 
Families don't gather together to really go to church anymore. And even in the homes today, Jesus goes missing. Jesus goes missing not only in our homes, but Jesus goes missing in the church. And it's so sad to me because even in the church, Jesus is not even being preached and the gospel is not being heard. And the church has become more about feeling good and self-taught and really being about lifting your self-help and motivational spirits up. But the truth is the gospel has gone missing from the church. And every year it's getting worse and worse and worse. And maybe Jesus goes missing in your personal life. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm, I'm busy, pastor. I have so much going on, so I don't have time to pray as much. I, I have been sliding a little bit with spending time in the Word, and maybe I do make a lot of excuses why I can't go to church today. And you're so busy and tired and caught up and distracted that Jesus goes missing from your prayer life. Jesus goes missing from your worship time. Jesus has gone missing in the church. You miss the word of God. And every year and every week and every day of every month of the year we have, I believe that Jesus doesn't just go missing in some plastic nativity on Christmas. But when I read that title of that question, I realized it is an important question we need to ask ourselves. Why is Jesus missing? Because maybe you look at your life today and you're saying, well, Jesus could be more in my life. I know I can spend more time with him. I know I can seek him more. I know I should worship him more. And maybe as I preach this sermon this Christmas, the Lord has gone missing from your life lately. In Genesis 3.9, the first question God would ever ask in the Bible, the first question that God asked was that the Lord God called the man and said to him, what? Where are you? Notice that the Lord God called to the man. He called to the human. He called to us. He called to Adam. And the one question, the first question God had to mankind was maybe the same question the Lord is asking you. Where are you? Where are you? You see, from the beginning of time, it's not the Lord that has gone missing from us, but it is us that has gone missing from the Lord. It's not God missing because many people would ask me as a pastor, where's God in this? Where's God in that? Why did God do this? Where is God? God is not talking. God is not speaking. God isn't showing anything to me. It feels like God is lost. It feels like God is nowhere to be found. Where's God? And I hear that question all the time. But what if the real question is being asked by God and God is saying, don't ask where I am. I want to know where you are. Where are you? And God is calling out, where are you? You see, God called out this question to Adam because Adam went in hiding. 
And Adam enjoyed a relationship with God. Adam walked with God. Adam talked with God. And Adam now is hiding away from God because the devil intervened. And Adam is now hiding with his wife. So now we have a man and a woman, a family, a marriage, a couple that is veered off the course of God. And they're hiding from the Lord. And the one question that God had was not, why did you do it? Don't you know any better? I thought I taught you more. No, the first question God asked out of love and passion and mercy and grace was, where are you? I want you back. I want to walk with you again. I want to speak with you again. I want to live my life with you again. I want a relationship with you again. And what if this Christmas, Jesus has gone missing from your life? And what if this Christmas, you're in this church, in this small service today, and God is saying, where are you? Where are you? You don't pray like you used to. Where are you? You don't seek me like you used to. Where are you? You don't come to church like you used to. Where are you? You see, my hope this Christmas, my prayer, is that you don't miss Christ in Christmas. Not only do my, is my prayer not that you miss Christ in Christmas, but you don't miss Christ every day after that. As so many of the people did in the Christmas story. When I sat down and prayed about this Christmas message, reading the Christmas story, Apart from Mary and Joseph, the shepherds were the only ones that did not miss Christ. Last week, we talked about the wise men. They met Christ, but it was only two years after he was born. The shepherds were the only ones that did not miss Christ in Christmas. And what's really sad is so many people had the chance. You see, if you really want to think about the nativity, if you really want to think about the manger and Christmas, we see Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angel. That's an accurate picture of what happened that day. But see, if we really dive deep into the word of God, what should have been there was King Herod. Who should have been there were the wise men. Who should have been there was all of Jerusalem. Who should have been there was that innkeeper. But the only ones that were there were three little shepherds. See, what makes Christmas so amazing to me is that Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins so that you and I will have a relationship. 
And yet, even though we have this opportunity to walk with God and talk with God and be with the Lord and do life with the Lord, I believe that we need a shepherd's heart in the church now. But too many people are missing Jesus in their lives. You see, when I think about the shepherds, I think about how they were just regular folks like you and I, working out in the fields. There was nothing special to them. They weren't wise like the wise men. They weren't powerful like Herod. They weren't businessmen like the innkeeper. They were nobodies. Yet God revealed himself to them. That God revealed Jesus to them. And the shepherd says, let us go and see what the Lord has revealed to us. See, when God reveals himself to you, there should be a desire for you to seek him. There should be a desire for you to pursue him. There should be a desire when the Lord reveals his son to you, a desire to be close and worship him. But we don't see that desire today anymore. Why? Because we've lost the heart of a shepherd. Verse 20 says this. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they've seen just as had been told to them. Now, when I, le- when I read that, I realized that these shepherds, they went back to their lives. They went back to their jobs. They went back to their normal routines. But the difference is now they've had this experience with God that has given them this joy that no one else has, this praise that no one else is experiencing. And when I read that, I realized that even though Jesus has revealed himself to us, it is our choice whether we're going to experience the presence of God or not. The shepherds experienced the presence of Jesus Christ that day because they did something that Herod didn't do. They did something that the wise men didn't do. They did something that the innkeeper didn't do. They did something that all of Jerusalem didn't do. And here's what it was. They obeyed. And went to go be with him. When you read the story of the shepherds, you might think, well, okay, they, the Jesus told them, hey, Jesus is born and go to Bethlehem and he'll be there. Okay, okay, we'll go right now. It wasn't that easy. You see, the shepherds had something that Herod and everyone else didn't have. And here it is. You guys ready? They dropped everything to be with him. They risked their lives to be with him. And let me explain how we know this. Because they were shepherds. Let me give you some biblical culture here. If you were a shepherd, you were a nobody. Your lambs, your sheep were worth more than you. If you were a shepherd, society knew you were worthless. That's why David was a shepherd, was he not? But his father didn't even consider to bring him in to be counted because it was just David, the little shepherd. 
Why was it so sad to be a shepherd? Because it was a very dangerous job. And if your life was lost in the process of caring for the flock, it did not matter. Because you were a shepherd. These shepherds must have felt worthless. But see, as a shepherd, you could not lose one sheep. You ever notice why Jesus said he leaves the 99 and goes after the one? Because a shepherd would never lose a sheep. Why? Because if a shepherd lost one of his lambs, he would either have to pay for it, and if he couldn't pay for it, which was the most likely story, his family can be enslaved, he could have gone imprisoned, or even killed. This is why, let's put our thinking caps on, this is why even David the shepherd said when facing Goliath, the Lord rescued me when I tried to get the lamb out of the mouth of a lion and a bear. Now why would a shepherd ever risk his life to take a lamb out of the mouth of a lion and a bear? Because that shepherd knew that if I don't have proof that it was stolen, they're going to come after me. They're going to come after my family. They can imprison me. They can kill me. So that that shepherd could provide either a piece of leg or an ear like Malachi says, if I can just present a piece of the lamb, I can prove my innocence that it wasn't me who stole it. That it wasn't me. Or my fault. Here we see in Christmas story that these shepherds had a flock. There were flocks around them that they were responsible for. But when that angel said, Jesus is born, and you have an opportunity to know him and experience him, these shepherds left the flock to go be with Jesus. That's why it's easy for us to know that these shepherds chose to be with the Lord over their flock, to be with Jesus over their business, to choose Jesus over their life. They risked everything to be with the Lord. That's why in the church today we need the heart of a shepherd, a heart that says to God, I am willing to give up everything to be with the Lord. I will give up anything to please God. I will surrender it all to be with a moment with the Lord. Those shepherds were nobody. But they were willing to give Jesus everything. Even if it cost them their life. And when they went back home and they told everyone what had happened, the angels sang. It was the best worship we've ever heard. We were at work like every other night. We were just tending the flocks and all of a sudden an angel opened up and spoke to us and told us that Jesus was born. And after the angel finished talking, a vast army of angels surrounded us and they worshiped and said, glory, glory, glory is God most high. Peace to all men for those who he is pleased with. And they were describing everything. But you know what I imagine? They must have also said to everyone, they told. You missed it. I would have said that. You missed it. Jesus was there. The angels were around. 
Heaven opened up in front of us. You missed it. And I wonder how many of us are missing what God is doing in our lives. We're missing out on a better life. We're missing out on the will of God. We're missing out on the greatness of the glory of God. Why? Don't miss Christ and Christmas. When I read the story of the shepherds, and I read how they left everything, they left their their sheep, their flock, they left everything, they risked their lives just to be with Jesus. I realized they only did so because they had a plan. I discovered the plan the shepherds had so that they wouldn't miss Jesus like Herod, like the wise men, like the innkeeper, like all of Jerusalem. Would you guys like to learn this this Christmas? Can I get a real amen this morning? Let's not miss it. Verse 15. The angel told them he's born, he's in Bethlehem. When the angel had gone away from them into heaven, they could have said, oh, that was nice. That was neat. Let's get back to work. Notice what they said. When the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's go straight. Straight. Come on, say it with me. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. That's the plan. The word straight there in the Greek word that was written there is the word enthuos, which literally means not to delay or to stray. Not to allow something to slow you down or distract you. The shepherds knew that they had to be with Jesus and they knew that in order to get there, they had to go straight. They could not delay. They could not stray. They could not do anything that would slow them down. They knew that if they slowed down, they would miss it. They knew if they got distracted, they would miss it. So they came together and says, not only are we going to go see Jesus this Christmas, we're going straight. Nothing's going to make us stop. Nothing's going to hinder us. Nothing's going to distract us. Nothing's going to slow us down until we get to Jesus. And I wonder if you have the heart of a shepherd to say, Lord, nothing will stop me. Nothing will slow me down. Nothing will distract me until I reach my destiny with you, Jesus. Until I reach you and know that you are pleased with me. That's the heart of a shepherd. They said, let's go straight. But today in the church, y'all, today, we're not straight with Jesus. Merry Christmas. I thought I'm out to preach. We're not straight with Jesus. 
if there was a diagram to, to really paint a picture of your relationship with the Lord, it would not be straight. Let's be honest. It might be a little like this and up and down and left and right. Amen. Can I be straight with you, church? We're not straight with Jesus. You know, Sunday you might look straight. But after this church service is over and you're at the Christmas party and there's certain temptations around, you're not going to be straight anymore. It's sad because some of you are not even going to be able to walk straight tonight. And that breaks my heart. And our relationship with God is just left and right. Up and down. Some days I feel holy, sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I'm making the right decision, sometimes I'm not. But see, the shepherd said, let's go straight. The reason that so many of us are missing Jesus and what He wants to do in our lives is because in our hearts, we do things that slow us down in our spiritual progress. We're distracted. And we're just straying away from the Word of God. But here we see shepherds that knew where they needed to be with the Lord. They knew they needed to be in Bethlehem. And some of us, and maybe all of us, know where we should be with the Lord by now. But we slow down. We get distracted. We stray. And we miss. And that's what the devil wants for your life. Why is Jesus missing? Because maybe you don't have the heart of a shepherd. But you have the heart of King Herod. Matthew 2, verse 3 said this about Herod. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. And all of what? Jerusalem. It wasn't just Herod that was troubled and disturbed by the birth of Jesus. His influence went through all of Jerusalem. Jesus was born, Herod heard about it, and rather than being overwhelmed with joy, it troubled him because he knew that Jesus was a threat to his kingdom. You see, Herod missed Jesus. Because look at verse 7. Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star would appear. See, Herod did his research and he knew Jesus was born. And when he heard that Jesus was born, he was not overwhelmed with joy, but he was disturbed and troubled because in his heart there was only room for one king. There was only room for one ruler. And many people miss Christ and Christmas and all year round because you want to rule your own life. You want to call the shots. You don't want to live for the Lord. And Herod saw this and it disturbed him. And many people today are disturbed by Jesus because they know that if they make Jesus the Lord of their life, He has to be the Lord of their life. And if He's Lord, then you're not. 
and you want to rule your life. That's why there's such an arrogant cry today in our nation. And they're screaming, this is my life. This is my body. This is my choice. I do what I want. I do what feels right. I call the shots. I'm the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. And there's such a fight for rebellion against authority because in our hearts, we become like Herod. And it disturbed him. And many people miss Jesus because they do not want the Lord to rule their lives. They see it as a threat to their happiness, to their plans, to their future. But Herod would die three years later. Just three. You imagine when Herod died and he's in the presence of Christ? He's saying, I missed it. Because I wanted to rule my life. Herod was not the only one that missed Christ in Christmas. Matthew 2, 4 through 5. This is a big mystery to me. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes, the Pharisees, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem, in Judah, in Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. You see, the people that are saying this are religious people that were with Herod, who knew the word of God, who knew Jesus was born, who knew the, the prophet, who knew where he would be. He knew it was in Bethlehem. He knew he was in Judea. He knows the prophet said this, the prophet said that, the prophets prophesied this, Isaiah said this, we know the scriptures, we know the word, we know everything we need to know about Jesus. Then why didn't they go? You see, in that manger, in that nativity, should have been these people, the religious people, the Pharisees, the teachers, the scribes, who knew the Word of God. But the reason they missed it is because they thought they were fine. And one of the biggest problems in church is not people that are bad, it's people that think they're good. People that think they're fine. People that think spiritually they're okay with God. Why? Well, because I go to church and I know the Bible and I know verses and I know Scripture and I can teach and I can preach and I know this and I serve here and I do this ministry. So did they. But they were not there bowing down to Jesus in that nativity. Because they thought they were okay. Because they had knowledge of Jesus but not a relationship. They chose to not be committed to this Jesus because in their heart they thought they were fine. I'm good. I don't need Jesus. I, I don't, I'm a good person. I, I know the Word of God. I go to this church. I do this. But if they knew the Word of God and they knew it was happening right now in Bethlehem, why didn't they go? Because they thought religion was enough. Herod missed it because Jesus was a disturbance. 
the religious people miss Christ in Christmas because they thought they were fine. Verse 7, Jesus is in the manger with these shepherds. She gave birth to a firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in what? The inn. The Bible mentions an innkeeper that heard a knock one Christmas night. He gets up, he's tired, it's been a busy day with all the travelers going through Bethlehem for the census, and he hears the knock, and he hears the knock, and the, and the innkeeper gets up. Who can be bothering me at this time? He opens the door, he sees Mary, she's about to give birth, the baby's there, he's crowning, he's about to, I need help, Joseph said, can you help? This is the Messiah, he's about to be born, and we want to use your home. And he said, I have no room. I have no room. The truth is, yes, he had no room because he chose not to make room. And I know that when we see this in the Christmas story, I've seen it in movies and cartoons. You see like a big hotel and there's people all over inside the inn. That's not biblically accurate. You see, inns were not like Motel 6s or Holiday Inns or the Ritz, none of that. An inn was a simple home with a spare bedroom or two. And it was a place where travelers can stop by, grab a bite to eat, grab a nap, sleep for a little bit, and move on. And during this time of year, the census was going around and everyone was busy, so this man's house was full. No room. And in the movies or cartoons, you see the innkeeper angry and ah, no room, and he slams the door. I don't believe that's what happens. In fact, a lot of scholars and pastors believe this happens. That innkeeper is a lot like us. You think, you know, Pastor, I would never close the door on Jesus. If I hear him knock, I'm responding. That's not true. In fact, at least here at Forward, if I can draw a comparison to where we fall in, I don't think it's Herod. I may not even think it's the religious people. I think it's the innkeeper. We have an innkeeper's heart. You say, well, Pastor, why would you ever say that? Because the innkeeper, most likely, the manger belonged to him. Because in these homes, there was a second level. You had the home, and just downstairs was where all the animals were. So most likely, this innkeeper said, listen, I don't have room. But the best I can do is give you my manger by downstairs. You can be with the animals. At least there it's warm enough. Good luck. You see, that innkeeper, he did what a lot of us do with Jesus. He did not slam the door on him. But he did not want to feel bad. So he wanted Jesus to be close enough where he can be born so I don't feel guilty that I shut the door on a pregnant woman. 
So I want them close enough where I don't feel bad, but far enough where he's not an inconvenience to me. And that is the heart of so many people in the church today. I want to be close enough to Jesus where I feel good, where I don't feel guilty, where I don't feel bad. So I want to be close enough where I feel good about myself, but far enough where he does not interrupt my life or inconvenience me. So Lord, I will give you not the best of what I have like the shepherds. I will give you what I can. And so many of us do this with the Lord. We're willing to be close to Jesus, close enough where it's not an inconvenience. But the second it's an inconvenience to serve God, I will not do it. If it's an inconvenience for me to get up in the morning and go to church, I won't. If it's an inconvenience for me to tithe to the church, I won't. If it's an inconvenience for me to go and serve, I won't. If it's an inconvenience for me to get up in the morning and read the Bible, I won't. If it's an inconvenience for me to get alone with God and pray, I won't. If it's an inconvenience for me to go and fellowship with other believers, I won't. Why? Because that innkeeper had too much going on in his life. And if he would have let Jesus in, his whole life would have been changed. You know how I know this? Because when I was in Israel, every spot they knew Jesus was in, they would put a church and people worshiped there till today. So in Israel today, there would have been an inn that would have been a church and everyone would have worshiped and said, this is where Jesus was born. We would have talked about this man for centuries to come. This man's life would have been the Jesus in where Jesus was born. This man's life would forever have been transformed, but he would he missed it. Because he wanted Jesus to be close enough where he wouldn't feel bad. But far enough where he wouldn't bother. And it feels like this Christmas, the Lord is a bother to so many. That's why I really want to applaud you guys. Because you guys are crazy. It's cold. It's raining. You could be sleeping in warm. You could be with your families now. But you have chosen to be in church. Because you have maybe a shepherd's heart in you after all. But don't turn into an innkeeper after this time is over. It feels like Jesus is a bother to so many and an inconvenience. So we have Herod that missed it. The religious people who missed Christ in Christmas. The innkeeper heard the knock but missed it because I'm too busy. I've got so much going on, but I don't want to feel bad. So you can have you can have the manger back there. But just don't bother me. 
And as we close, I want to ask you a question. To echo what God said. Where are you? Where are you? You might say, Lord, I'm this Christmas, I'm I think I'm Harry. I've been doing what I wanted. I've been making my own decisions. I've been following my will and desires. I haven't really bowed down in your authority. Forgive me. Maybe you're a religious person. You say, Lord, I'm happy with just knowing about you and studying the word and memorizing scriptures and but I haven't truly stepped out in faith to be with you. But if I can guess, I would venture to say that a lot of us here are in Hebrews. God is knocking. Every morning He knocks and says, I want to spend time with you. Come read the come read the word. Come, come pray. Talk to me. I'm too tired. Too busy, Lord. Maybe later. And that's why you're not straight with Jesus today. You're actually slowing down in your progress. You're straying from the Word of God and distracted because in your heart you're an innkeeper, not a shepherd. You got a business to run people to please, money to make, things to do, people that need you. So you're saying, Lord, I I want you close enough so that if I need you, I'll call on you. I want you close enough so I don't feel bad. But Lord, I keep you farther enough where you're not an inconvenience to me. Church, don't miss Christ and Christmas. That innkeeper said, I know I can give you better, but I'm going to give you what I have left over. And a lot of us give leftovers to God. If I have time, I will. If I can, I will. But see, the shepherds, they said, We're going to go straight to Jesus. We're not going to let things slow us down. We're not going to let things distract us. We're going to surrender it all. If if it's the Lord's will, we die. For losing these sheep, we die. But if God loves and God is faithful, when we get back, the sheep will be there. And guess what? When those shepherds came back, the sheep were there. Because some oh, what's going to happen if, if I miss work, if I do this, if I don't go here? Guess what? Put Jesus first. He'll be there. And I ask myself, Lord, why the manger? The God that can open the sea couldn't open a hotel? The Lord spoke to my heart when I read this. I thought 
I, I thought I would find some deep theological prophetic meaning. I searched for days. Why the manger? And the Lord spoke to me finally and said, David, it's because it was available. What could God do in your life if you were available for him? That manger was ugly. That angel was that that manger smelled. It was not a place to put a newborn. But God said, it's available. And it doesn't matter because if you are like the manger and you think you're bad, you think you're worthless, you think you're not good enough for God, I guarantee if you're available for God, He'll come right in. Let's all stand and close with verse 14. We can dismiss, enjoy your Christmas, but I really pray you don't miss Christ in Christmas. Can we give God praise this morning? The angel said to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men whom he is well pleased. Now hold that verse. As you're saying, well, pastor, this has this whole message has nothing to do with stress. Yes, it does. The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? If you don't have peace, you have stress. Amen? Thank you, Kevin. If you don't have peace, you have stress. And the angel said, Glory to God. It was, Amen. Glory to God. And the highest, Amen. On the earth, yes. Peace among men, yes. With whom. He is what? There's the, yeah, there's that fine point. Jesus Christ on this Christmas came to earth to bring peace to men and women, mankind, so that we will have peace on earth and peace with God through his death on the cross for our sins. But notice, even though the peace was available, not everyone could experience it because the Bible said, whom he is pleased. And if you want to know what pleases God, it's in that verse. Glory to God in the what? In the highest. The word highest literally means above all things and in authority. You want peace in your life? My question to you, is God highest? Is He authority? Is He first? Because everyone wants peace, but not everyone puts God in the highest. It might be your job's the highest, your children are the highest, your pleasure, your hobby, your money is the highest. And until God becomes the highest, in your life, you will never experience the peace of God. So this Christmas, I pray you don't miss Christ. 
but you have a heart of a shepherd that says, Lord, forgive me because you have revealed yourself to us and we have taken it for granted. And Lord, today, you deserve our highest praise. You deserve my highest love, my highest devotion, my highest commitment. But maybe that's not me. But today, you can change that by repenting. Because you know what makes Christmas so amazing to me? Not only is it the birth of our Savior, something amazing happened. In the gospel, you see the story of Christmas. And right before the gospel, we have the book of Malachi. The last book of the Old Testament. And between Malachi and in the Gospels, in the Bible, most Bibles have a page in the middle that's blank. And every time I see that page, as I read through every year of the Bible, that blank page reminds me that between Malachi and the angel speaking to the shepherds and the angel speaking to Mary and Joseph, was 400 years of silence between them. 400 years of nothing. And I said, Lord, I never want to experience the silence of God. Where God does nothing in my life. But what happened in the book of Malachi that made God go silent? was the people wanted to worship God while they kept their idols. And God said, you're going to keep your idols? Fine. I'll see you in 400 years. And when the Jesus was born, God broke the silence. Because he said, now it's time for man to experience me through my friendship. What I pray for all of us here this morning, this Christmas, is if it feels God has been silent in your life, it's not always because He's putting you through a test, but because there's idol and sin in your life. And you can repent of that today. And I pray that the Lord breaks His silence in your life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to give you the highest praise and worship this Christmas. And I thank you for our church family that came today, who could be anywhere else, but they're here serving you. Father, we pray that you help us get a heart of a shepherd, a heart that just seeks you with everything they have. And forgive us for having the heart of Herod, for ruling our lives. Forgive us for having the heart of the religious scribes and Pharisees, for thinking we're okay. Forgive us, Lord, for being the innkeeper, where we're satisfied with having you close enough, where we feel good, but far enough where you are not an inconvenience. And Father, I pray you give us in our church a heart of a shepherd. 
that we are willing to put our faith and trust in you and risk it all to get to you. And Father, like the shepherds, I pray that you show us amazing things. Reveal to us amazing truths. But give us the heart of those shepherds. And Father, for anyone here listening online that you have been silent in their lives, the people waited 400 years and you brought Jesus. It is a picture, Lord, of freedom. And we thank you that in Jesus Christ, the silence was broken and you now speak to us again today. Forgive us, Lord, if like Malachi and the people, we want to worship you yet have idols. We want to worship you but not be straight with you. Give us the heart of a shepherd, Lord that will seek you by going straight. Not veering off course. Not straying away from the word. And help us, Jesus. Not only not to miss Christ this Christmas, but not to miss Christ any day after that as well. As we put you highest in our lives. Be pleased with us, God as we put you first above all things. Forgive us, Lord, when you are not the highest, but the world is. When you are not the highest, but our money is. When you are not the highest, but our people and family and friends are. When we are not putting you in the highest, but we put our desires above you, Lord. Forgive us, Jesus. And give us today the heart of the shepherd. We give God praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. You guys can have a seat for a moment. I want to thank you guys for joining me this Christmas as we dismiss this morning. I hope you guys are blessed by today's Christmas service. Thank you all for being here today, for choosing just to be faithful and being in church today. And I want to just say that I'm proud of you as your pastor because I really believe of all the days you could have missed church and been with family and in the warmth of your home, you chose today to be in church. So I want to thank you for honoring us with your presence today.